gender. Body acceptance. Abortion. Sex. Racial justice. Feminism. Birth. Parenthood. Stigma. Bodily autonomy. And more. This is Reproductive Left by Mabel Watson Center, an independent feminist nonprofit comprehensive healthcare provider in Bangor, Maine. Join us as we explore topics that impact our sexual and reproductive health and lives. Here's your host, Aspen Rulin. Aspen uses they, them pronouns and is our client and community advocate. Hello there, and welcome back to Reproductive Left. I'm your host, Aspen. My pronouns are they, them, and I'm here today to talk to you about one of my favorite topics, lube. Anyone who knows me in real life has likely heard me rant and ramble about sexual lubricant, and that's exactly what I'm here to do today, along with a bit of Q&A at the end with one of my favorite nurse practitioners, Lindsay Piper, who uses she-her pronouns. Before we get started, I just want to let all of our listeners know that while I might mention some lube brands, we're not getting paid to promote any brands or put down any other brands. This will be a mix of research on different lubes and my own personal opinions as a person who uses lube. Disclaimer over. On to the good, the bad, and the slippery. Well, I'll be referencing some research into lubricant, especially things like osmolality and pH, there's actually far less research out there than there should be. The research that does exist is often sponsored by lubricant companies, which obviously brings up concerns around research bias. Coupled with the fact that the FDA has inconsistent lube quality regulations, it isn't surprising that finding a quality lubricant can get a bit messy. I'll talk more in a little bit about how to find quality lube, but first I want to talk more about what to avoid. If you're using latex condoms, do not ever use anything oil-based out there. If you've ever gone lube shopping, whether at your local grocery store, a sex toy shop, or online, you may have noticed that oil-based lubricants are hard, if not impossible, to find. This is for a few reasons. One, oil dissolves latex. And when I say dissolves, I mean dissolves. Lindsay and I talk about it more in the question section at the end of this episode, so you'll hear more about it then. If you're using a non-latex condom like polyurethane or polyisoprene, oil won't have that effect. Of course, that brings us to the next issue of oil, which is that most oils aren't body safe and your body will have a very hard time clearing that oil out of the orifice in question. There are a handful of body-safe oil-based lubricants out there, but only use something oil-based if it's marketed for use as lube for penetrative sex, not marketed for masturbation. Using oils like olive oil, baby oil, mineral oil, etc., can trap bacteria or cause a yeast infection, and that's true whether we're talking about vaginal sex or anal sex. One oil that is body safe is coconut oil, but still be cautious and be aware of cross-contamination, and consider that you might save yourself some discomfort by reaching for a product that is sold as lubricant. Something else important to avoid is anything with sugar in it. 
there has been a ton of debate recently about whether or not flavored lube has sugar or if it even has ever had sugar. So if you're someone who is a fan of flavored lube, just check the ingredients before you use it for penetrative sex. Flavored lube is mostly meant to be used with oral sex, hence the flavor component. Even if it lacks sugar, the flavoring can be a source of irritation for folks, especially those with sensitive skin. Regardless of the source of sugar, you never want to add sugar to the mix when it comes to penetrative sex, vaginal or anal, because that is a recipe for a yeast infection. While it's a higher risk with vaginal sex, it is absolutely a possibility with anal sex as well, and neither is an ideal time. If you're adding whipped cream, chocolate sauce, pixie sticks, or any other sweet treat to sex, try to make sure the only orifice it goes into is your mouth. Let's go to Abby with a Mabel's Fast Fact. Because of the difference in pH, some sexual lubricants can affect sperm viability. While this is not to be used as a form of birth control, it's important to keep in mind for those who are trying to conceive. Learn more in our show notes or at MabelWadsworth.org. Let's dive back into the slippery world of finding the right lube for you. First, let's talk water-based. Water-based tends to be most popular with penetrative vaginal sex, but some people prefer it for anal as well. There are two important factors when it comes to water-based lube, pH and osmolality. For those of us who might not remember high school chemistry as well, pH refers to the acidity or alkalinity of an aqueous solution or something containing water. Different things have different pH ranges, like blood, which normally has a range between 7.35 and 7.45, milk, which has a range of 6.5 to 6.7, and semen, which has a range between 7.2 and 8.0. Why does pH matter with lube? Two big reasons. The first is that if your pH is thrown out of whack, it can increase your risk of yeast infection or STIs due to the mucosal layer being weakened. And in the case of vaginal pH specifically, it can increase your risk of bacterial vaginosis. Second, if the lube you're using has a pH that's way off from what your natural pH is, it can cause more immediate side effects like discomfort or burning during use. The typical pH range for a vagina is 3.8 to 4.6, though it can range up to 5.5 without being unhealthy, and that shifts to a range of 4.5 to 7.5 for those who are postmenopausal, while the typical pH range for the rectum is between 7.0 and 8.0. The other important piece of water-based lube is osmolality. When we're talking about osmolality and sexual lubricant, we're talking about the movement of water into and out of cells because of the water-based lube. If a lube has a really high osmolality or is hyperosmotic, it can basically take the water from our cells, leading to the cells dehydrating and things feeling dry or chafy, which often leads to just applying more lube, which is a, you know, a self-fulfilling cycle. Some really common lubes out there, like KY and Astroglide, have osmolality levels way above the healthy range, making them hyperosmotic. 
On the other side of the coin is hypoosmotic, when a lube has an osmolality level that's below the healthy range, which results in our cells absorbing too much water, which can either rehydrate dehydrated cells if it's slightly hypoosmotic or cause cells to burst if it's very hypoosmotic. This is a lot less common than a lube being hyperosmotic though. The sweet spot for water-based lube is when it's isoosmotic, meaning that it's neither taking water from or adding water to the cells. If you want to learn more about the science side of lube or take a peek at lube osmolality and pH charts to try to find the right option for you, check out the article, The Science of Lubricants from badvibes.org or the World Health Organization article, Use and Procurement of Additional Lubricants for Male and Female Condoms, both linked in the episode description. While silicone lubes tend to be more popular for anal sex, there are people who use them for vaginal as well. Silicone-based lubes stay slippery for a lot longer than water-based, which can be a pro or con depending on the individual. Because silicone-based lube doesn't have water in it, you don't have to worry about osmolality or pH, but you should still do your research into finding a good quality silicone lube that doesn't have harmful additives. One big concern with silicone lube is the way it can interact with silicone sex toys. While there isn't a lot of formal research into it, we do know that silicone lube can degrade the quality of silicone sex toys, causing them to become porous or misshapen. Some lubes, especially some of the higher end ones like Uber Lube, claim to be safe with silicone sex toys and argue that the problematic interaction only occurs between lube and toys of lower quality. Personally, with how much a good quality silicone sex toy can cost, I would just say slap a condom on it if you're using silicone lube to play it safe. The final type of lube to mention is hybrid, which is a mix of silicone and water-based. This is often described as having the same feel and texture as water-based lube while having the longevity of silicone-based, so for many, it's the best of both worlds. The same warning about silicone sex toys stands, though with a bit less concern as it's not purely silicone-based. Let's take another quick break for a Mabel's Fast Fact with Abby. If you're experiencing pelvic pain during sex or otherwise, the providers at Mabel Wadsor Center are here to help. Call 947-5337 or email info at mabelwadsworth.org to set up an appointment today. Now that we've tackled the what of lube, let's get into the why. In the case of anal sex, it is important to always use lube. The rectum is not self-lubricating at all, so it's important to add lube in order for anal sex to be enjoyable and to be safe. When it comes to vaginal sex, the need for lube can vary a lot person to person. Some people always need lube for vaginal sex, some just need it sometimes, and some never need it. One point I want to really drive home is that it is perfectly fine to need lube. This gets talked about more in the interview with Lindsay at the end, but different bodies have different needs. 
Some vaginas just don't produce a lot or even any natural lubricant. Some people have health conditions that are helped by adding lube, and pretty much everyone can benefit from at least a bit of good quality lube to be added. This is not to say that you should skip over all of the other fun parts of your sex practice and go straight to penetrative sex. In fact, add lube to the rest of your sexual activities too. Because of the stigma our culture has around sex and around vaginas, lube isn't talked about enough, and a lot of people are made to feel shame for using it. With all that, let's go into the interview portion of today's episode. And now we'll go to questions with Lindsay Piper, the marvelous nurse practitioner. Lindsay, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Hi, hello. Honestly, (laughs) I don't know that I can think of uh, very many people better, if anyone better, to ask random lube questions to. Oh, Um, I'll take that as a compliment. So with that, let's slide on in. (laughs) Very good. I tried. That was slick. Uh, so the first question I have for you, what would you say is the most important thing to know about using lube? Um, I would say that it's okay to use lube Mm. and even great to use it. Um, and so a lot of people, um, you know, a lot of my patients will worry, gosh, I don't feel like I'm reacting enough or getting wet enough. Um, you know, is there something wrong with me? And the answer is no, probably not. Just get some really good lube that you like. And so I think, you know, to use it is probably the most important thing. Um, if you don't need it, awesome. Don't use it, but have some in your bedside table, like own some really good lube. Yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, that touches on I think something so important that there's this weird stigma around lube and like particularly for people who have vaginas Mm -hmm. that like if you need it somehow like you're just bad at having a vagina and it's like (laughs) right no right or that people I've even heard patients talk about um, their partners suggesting that oh you're not attracted to me because you're not lubricating yourself and it's it doesn't really work that way you know um and so i think if people just make it a regular part of their sex practice then Mm. it's just normalizes the use of it um and it can make things a lot more fun and feel good and yeah so i always like the um relaxation communication lubrication Right? How have yeah. I not heard that one before? That's a new, that's an embroidered throw pillow. That it I is. Well, make. when I worked at the feminist sex toy store back in my younger years, we used to, that was, you know, kind of one of our selling points. So I love that. <laughs> yeah. That's so fun. Um, I think that actually drives us perfectly to the next question, which is, so if someone with a vagina finds that they need to use lube for penetrative sex, at what point should they be talking to a medical professional about that? Like if it's a frequent occurrence Mm. or just if they're having discomfort, whether that's with the lube, without the lube, you know, et cetera. At what point is it like, hey, I should talk to someone. Yeah, I mean, a couple of instances just medically that come to mind would be um, when someone's um, physiologic estrogen is low. So circumstances that could um, create that would be if somebody is menopausal, so their estrogen is low and their tissues, um, you know, just kind of atrophy, become more fragile. Mm. Um, And using lube, if if it's not quite enough um, to kind of help ease with penetration, um, then I think that's a great time to come talk to 
a healthcare provider. Um, and likewise, another situation would be for a lot of my patients who take testosterone, um, a very similar thing happens to the tissues, again, because of lack of estrogen, um, it's suppressed. And so um, the tissues become more fragile, less supple, um, not, not for everybody, but that mm. is something that can happen. Um, and I think, um, you know, if people sometimes will present with things like um, spotting after some sort of penetration mm -hmm. um, or they believe that they have frequent UTI type symptoms. Mm -hmm. And really what it can be is um, the the tissue of the genitals there um, being less estrogenized. Mm. Um, and frankly, if the tissues there are less estrogenized, it does actually put people at slightly higher risk for UTI. So, yeah. Yeah. So I think just, um, you know, kind of gauging, like if it's a, like with the spotting or the more frequent occurrence, like you were suggesting. Mm. Um, but those are two clinical circumstances where I can think that somebody might need uh, more of an intervention than just a really nice, high quality lube. Yeah, for sure. Um, and that actually another this is another great answer that feeds really well into our next question you know how often do you see patients who either need lube just at all mm. or are struggling with discomfort with penetrative sex gosh well the second one is easy um, I would say at least 70% of my patients oh, wow. um, will report discomfort with penetrative sex at some point or another whether it's ongoing or um, you know, and it can be anything from um, position or, um, you know, just figuring out what works for their body mm. um, all the way to um, like pelvic floor disorders, um, you know, myofascial tissue tightness, um, you know, injury after childbirth or pregnancy. Um, yeah, so it is something that's pretty frequent for my patients, um, even if it's not, even if it's something that's time limited. So I do hear that complaint a lot. Um, and I think that um, using lube, gosh, you know, I have some patients who are just very, you know, have normalized it as a part of their sex practices, but it is something that I will frequently recommend to people. And mm. it's kind of interesting, like, oh, gosh, I never thought about that. And um, that can sometimes really be the key to helping them you know, ease their way into a more fun sexual experience. Yeah, definitely. And I think what you said about the pelvic floor disorders um, really resonated with me because not to be like too TMI for our listeners, but mm. maybe to be too TMI for our <laughs> listeners. You know, I... Uh, recently actually saw a pelvic floor physical therapist mm -hmm. realize that I'm dealing with what's likely vulvodynia yeah. and you know with a few appointments was basically able to be like wow I can handle this on yeah. my own now I like um, and for listeners who don't know vulvodynia the very simple explanation it's just like pain of the vulva yeah. um, and you know, like I am in a much better place with that now feeling like, you know, much better lube is an important component, mm -hmm. but a great example that there was like a little bit more that needed to be done. And, you know, for gosh, 11 years, I had actually just never tried talking to a medical provider about it because the first time I tried to talk to one, uh, they were just super dismissive oh, and of course I've had marvelous providers since then who I could have brought it to but mm. it's just that you know like mm. we internalize stuff so for listeners who maybe they've tried to bring it to a provider before and they felt like dismissed it's always good to try again and I mean that's true of like all health things yes. sometimes just a provider isn't the right 
the right provider fit for, for you. you. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, gosh, I really encourage patients and I and I try to ask all of the right questions to get a good sexual health history. When mm-hmm. I when I do a well body exam, like an annual visit, um, one of my questions is how are you um, feeling satisfied with your sex sexuality? Is is this something that you feel good and healthy about? Do you have any issues with pain or other questions? And you know, try to kind of incorporate it into like my general questions like intimate partner violence and what are your health goals that you're working on because I do think that um, being able to be sexual if that's your orientation is a huge part of being a healthy human being and Mm. so um, I definitely prioritize that as one of my questions when I talk to my patients because you never know if you don't ask the question and so gosh if somebody had thought to ask you right um, you know and I mean there are definitely times that like I've you know been asked but it was one of those things that I had just so internalized Mm -hmm. that was like oh this isn't that like there's anything like medically going on mm. with me I'm just bad mm. at having this bad part of my body which is know. obviously not actually logical and like mm. a little bit funny as someone who does sexual health education work it's I just mean, that whole you yeah. know knowing things that are true for other people but not internalizing them for well, yourself that's exactly it right that's the insidious nature of this plague we call patriarchy it's Ugh. um yep. yeah it even touches the most confident and educated of us for sure it it does um so the last question that i had for you today was going further because like you said you know you have a ton of patients who already use lube who that's mm-hmm. part of their mm-hmm. practice yeah which obviously with certain types of penetrative sex like it's kind of just a necessity yes um but you know who do you think can benefit from adding lube to their sexual activities well, I'd say anybody could give it a try and then see where they can go from there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't I don't have a particular population to say, oh, these folks should try it. These folks don't really have to. I, I'd say. And I think the key would be to get something that's nice, uh, a higher, like higher quality, something that yes. could really make or break your experience with using lube. Yes. So you don't want to use something that will... Yeah, itchy vulva or something Mm -hmm. like that. And that was an issue that, I mean, you know, that's discussed earlier in the Mm -hmm. episode, but that's a huge issue. You know, there's like no FDA regulation around lube, a sexual lubricant. And it's just, you know, there's not a whole lot of information around it. So even in the past, before I had confronted the issues I'd had, I was like, oh, okay. Like, you know, 20 year old me, like, oh, I'll just add more lube. Mm. And then I'd go buy like the knock off KY at Walmart because I didn't know any better. Mm-hmm, right. Um, you know, I didn't know anything about osmolality mm-hmm. or like lube pH. Um, and I'm imagining, um, you know, forgive me if this is a repeat, but that you spoke about um, which types of lubes not to use with certain types of toys or oh, with latex yes. and barriers. Ooh, Have you if- ever seen that uh, where, like, uh, you do the education for people about lubes um, and what not to use with condoms? So, like, yes. you, like, chew on the gum and then eat a spoonful of peanut butter and it, like, totally dissolves the gum and you're like, and that's what um, oil-based lube's going to do to your latex condom. So, so be I- mindful. <laughs> I have not seen that one. That feels like a terrible mouthfeel to imagine. Yeah, and so. the taste sounds so <laughs> gross. What I did do was actually um, 
the college that I went to my freshman year of college, they had something called a sexpo. It was basically a sex education <laughs> uh-huh. week slash weekend. It was yeah. a really cool That's event. Fun. And one of the events they had was they split us up into teams and there were three teams and each team had a condom that we blew up like a balloon. This was before I developed the latex allergy, oh, thankfully. <laughs> and um, we were given different types of oil and you uh-huh. had to rub your yeah. condom balloon with the oil to see which team popped it first. <laughs> My team had baby oil and we won. That's um, the worst. And yeah. it only took like a minute. Oh gosh, yeah. It was like, yikes. It was wild how quick that went. So, uh, I guess my take home message is don't use peanut butter as a lube if you're also, using latex. I mean, or ever, maybe. Or ever. <laughs> um, I feel like, especially with the sugars and peanut butter, that's a yeast infection that's a waiting good, to happen. That's yeah, maybe a good UTI. thing to avoid. Uh, problems. <laughs> just problems. Um, Great. Were there any last lube thoughts that you had before we wrapped up? Oh, gosh. Well, wrap it up, of course, (laughs) is a good take-home message. But, um, no, I just, I'm really glad that you're um, going over this topic just because it is so important to just normalize it. And, um, yeah. Thank you. Yes, it is one that I am very passionate about once I realized, like, how little information there is out there about, like, you know, who who can use lube, who should use lube, mm. when should you use lube, um, and, of course, everything around lube quality. Um, so it's always been an important topic for me. Um, that's all I have for you. Thank you so much for Thanks, joining me today. Yeah, what a pleasure. Uh, and thank you to all of our listeners for joining us for this episode of Reproductive Left. And we'll see you next time. Bye.